Good morning. Good morning and welcome to worship at Germantown Presbyterian Church. We are so excited that you are here with us, either in person or joining us online. And we're just so delighted to have you all here with us. I do have a few announcements for us this morning. Uh, first, if you are worshiping with us online, if you would um, find the bulletin there on the resources tab, and that may be in a new place for you to find it because we have a new website. So look for the bulletin under the resources tab. Uh, also, there is a friendship pad, and you can sign that uh, online. And if you're a visitor here with us in person, there are visitor cards, and we would love for you to fill a visitor card out so that we can know that you are with us and that we can be in touch with you after worship. We want to give a huge thanks to the Congregational Life Committee and uh, also to the evening worship team led by Dr. John Johnson for a fabulous outdoor worship experience last Sunday evening on the parking lot. Um, we had different counts, but somewhere between 90 and 100 uh, gathered outside. It was a beautiful spring evening, and it was just a wonderful worship service, so thank you for all of those that helped to make that happen. We are so grateful. The next outdoor music event, uh, the date has been set. It won't be a worship service. It will be a fun music event uh, with the group that Chuck Utterback uh, is a part of called the Ramblers. So save the date, mark your calendars for Saturday evening uh, at um, probably at 6 p.m. on June the 5th. So mark your calendar, save the date for another um, outdoor event here at GPC. Tonight's evening worship will be here in this space, and that will be at 6 o'clock, and uh, you are welcome to come back and worship with us for that. Vacation Bible School is right around the corner. It's the first week of June. It starts June the 7th through the 11th, and you can participate by registering your children or your grandchildren. You can participate by grabbing one of the little hang tags, the little things that VBS still needs, and you can drop those off in the church office anytime, and you can also volunteer. So many ways that all ages can participate in VBS. So I invite you to look for more information about that um, in your bulletin. We also want to think about our church family that is worshiping this morning at Nakomi. We had many, many families, children, singles, adults, all ages register. And so we just have our blessings, our prayers with all of our church family that is away from us this morning because they are enjoying worship and a beautiful spring morning. And we hope a wonderful weekend that they have had at Nakomi. There's more going on in the life of GPC. And so we welcome you to read about that in your leisure time, in your bulletin also in the newsletter, and at this moment, I invite you to prepare yourselves for the worship of Almighty God.
Please stand as you are able, both here in the sanctuary and at home, and join in the call to worship as printed in your bulletin. Let our praise for all that God has done resound within and beyond these walls. God's love abides in us for the sake of those who do not know the love of God. When the weak realize their strength and the poor eat until they are satisfied, then God's love will be known because we've shared with those in need. As the stranger finds a friend, as a family offers forgiveness, then God's love will be known as it is shared from one person to the next. Then justice and peace will surely embrace for the sake of humankind. Let our praise for all that God has done resound within and beyond these walls. Let us worship God together, celebrating our unity in Christ our Lord.
The one who calls us to repent hears us. And trust that our Creator knows us through and through. Let us open our hearts to God's forgiveness and healing as we confess our sins before God and one another. Let us pray. Gracious God, we believe that Christ's work of reconciliation is made manifest in the church as the community of believers who have been reconciled with God and with one another. Yet we confess that we do not always live up to our beliefs. We do not live into the unity of the church as Christ has called us to be one body. Instead, we see separation and hatred everywhere we look, and yet we remain silent, doing nothing to mend the breaches. Forgive us, we pray. Help us, God, to love one another and practice hospitality, community, and relationship building with all of your children. Help us, God, to be agents of unity in the church and in the world that you have created. Through us, let your love flow. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I declare to you in the name of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that our sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, and also with you. I invite you to turn and wave at your neighbors around you, and also to thank of those who are usually here in the sanctuary. Reach out to them and share the grace of Christ this afternoon or this week. Remind them that you love and miss them, and check on their well-being. And let's remember to thank of our church family at Nakomi and pray for their safety home.
as we prepare to approach God's word. Let us pray that he would lead us to understanding. Would you bow your heads, please? O holy and loving God, as we prepare to hear your word read and proclaimed, we pray that you would still our hearts and open our minds, that we might hear your message for us today, that we would contemplate your call on us, and that we would then go out to live into your peace that passes all understanding. This we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our first scripture reading comes from the New Testament, the first letter of John in the fourth chapter. Hear now the word of the Lord. John writes, Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers and sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. This is the word of the Lord. reading this morning from scripture is from Luke's narrative, the book of Acts. 
beginning as chapter 8, beginning at verse 26. Let us hear God's word to us again. Then the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now, there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in his chariot and sit beside him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation for his life is taken away from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak. And starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized. He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In Marvel's Avengers Infinity War, Iron Man and Thor and Black Widow and all the other Avengers come together. They unite to battle their most powerful enemy yet, the evil Thanos. But in order to understand the depth and importance of their mission, we need to know the backstory of the infinity stones that the Avengers strive to protect. Now, if everything I've just said sounds really foreign to you, as it does to me, we all have teenagers in our lives that we can rely on to help us to understand why their mission is so important to the fate of the planet. We rely on these superheroes in that moment. But now I'm going to shift a story that's maybe a little more familiar. If you miss the first few episodes of Downton Abbey then 
you wouldn't know why Lord Grantham is desperately seeking a new male heir. And you might not really understand the rivalry between the Grantham sisters. You can't know what you don't know is a true and profound statement. The point is, origin or backstories are important to our understanding of more than fiction. And today's narrative reading from the Acts of the Apostles is a good example of our need to know and understand what has happened before in order that we can know and understand what's happening right now in Luke's narrative writing. Knowing the backstory is also known as meeting somewhere with someone where they are and also learning how they got there. So let's meet the characters in today's narrative. We have Philip the evangelist, we have the Ethiopian eunuch, and we have the Holy Spirit of God who also serves as the director in this story. The action of the narrative proceeds in a chiastic literary pattern with the right question placed at the intersection of and framed by this inverted parallelism. Here's how the action unfolds. The Holy Spirit both directs as director and tells as participant in the action, Philip, where to go and what to do. Philip gets up, goes, and does, just as the Holy Spirit directs him. The Ethiopian eunuch has just come from Jerusalem where he sought God through worship. And now he is found reading from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah as he travels back to Ethiopia. And then Philip shows up. Conversation ensues, all directed by the Holy Spirit. And then the right question gets inserted into the action. And from that point on, the literary pattern reverses the fate of both the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip the evangelist. Sounds pretty straightforward, right? We know where these two characters have been just prior to the narrative. We know what's happening right in this story, but what we're missing is the backstory. What brought them to this place in this moment in their lives and what it means for the hearers of the narrative then in the first century and now in the 21st century. Truth be told, as is usually the case of a remarkable story, it's the backstory that makes the present story unforgettable and remarkable. And this story is no different. So much so that in just a few minutes, we're going to get goosebumps as we begin to understand the story's significance in the lives of all concerned, including our own. So here we go. First, let's remember that the book of Acts is a theological historical narrative written by Luke in the mid to late first century. The book of Acts interprets the significance of God's work through Jesus Christ and his followers through the power of the Holy Spirit as it tracks the church's growth following Jesus' resurrection and ascension. Now, who is Philip? 
Philip is one of the seven men initially chosen to care for the needy widows in the early church. Philip was sent to Samaria, not because he wanted to go, but because he, like the other apostles, is subject to God's asserting love. It's the Holy Spirit who sent them out to preach the good news of the gospel to Samaria and beyond. The Holy Spirit is turning the world upside down and the apostles are the Holy Spirit's vessels to make it happen. Next, what did it mean to be an Ethiopian eunuch in the first century? Well, as you might guess, it's twofold. The Greek word translated as Ethiopia refers to all the people in the land south of Egypt in Africa. The word literally means burnt face or blackness. It's the first time black is identified in the New Testament. He is as different in appearance as Philip is to him. One is African and one is Middle Eastern. The circumstances of the Ethiopian eunuch's travel tell us even more about him. He travels by chariot, indicating his prominence and status in the queen's court. He's reading from the scroll of Isaiah, which indicates to us he is of considerable wealth. For if each of the Hebrew scripture scrolls were penned individually by scribes, and they were quite expensive. And he's reading while driving, by riding. So he's not driving the chariot. He has a chariot driver while he sits in the back and leisurely reads. So he's not lacking in wealth or status. But we are soon to learn that he is seriously lacking spiritually and seriously seeking God. As we might imagine, it's not his status or his wealth that excludes him from worshiping in the assembly of the court of the Lord. And even though the Ethiopian, Ethiopian eunuch's skin color is different, his racial, ethnic, or national background would not most likely have prevented him from entering into the inner court of the Lord in Jerusalem. So what is it? It's the physical nature of his body that causes him to be considered other in the eyes of the religious leaders, for he is a eunuch. That means that he has been castrated, probably before puberty, in order that he can be trusted to serve in the royal court as a man who wouldn't prey on the young women who were either of the king's harem or the queen's ladies-in-waiting. Even though this was something done to them, eunuchs were stereotyped as sexually immoral, and thus they were forbidden from entering into the temple of the Lord. Why would this aspect of his personhood keep him from worshiping God with everyone else? Clearly he is a God-seeker with a strong affinity for Judaism. He's traveled a long distance to worship in Jerusalem at the temple. And because he's a reader of scripture, he may have gone knowing 
that he would not be permitted to enter into the inner court and worship with the other males. Or he may have gone hoping that because of his status and his wealth, he would be allowed in. He has monetary means and status. So why would his physical body, his gender identity, or his sexuality prevent him from worshiping God? Here's where we need a little bit more backstory. During the Mosaic period, around the 7th century before the birth of Jesus, 613 prohibitions and mandates were set in place to govern the lives of ancient Israelites to set them apart from the rest of the known world. These prohibitions included governance about who could and who could not enter into the assembly of the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. One of those prohibitions is recorded in Deuteronomy 23.2. It says, No one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. New Testament scholar Karen Baker Fletcher writes, The purpose of the mandate was to give lower social religious status to eunuchs because they were seen as scarred, defective men unable to be fruitful and multiply. Let's pause for just a moment as we consider and let this exclusion from the worship of God sink in. Next, we must wonder, was the exclusion binding for all time? Thankfully, the answer is a resounding no. For God, through the prophet Isaiah, addresses these exclusions, revealing God's continual reconciliation of the world and humanity back to God's self. In Isaiah 56, written in the late mid to late 6th century before the birth of Jesus, we hear God's voice through the prophet saying this, Don't let the immigrant who has joined with the Lord say, The Lord will exclude me from the people. And don't let the eunuch say, I'm just a dry tree. The Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, Choose what I desire and remain loyal to my covenant in my temple and courts. I will give them a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an enduring name that won't be removed. My house will be known as a house of prayer for all people, says the Lord God, who gathers God's outcast. I will gather still others to those that I have already gathered. Clearly, God promises to gather the outcast, those on the outside looking in. So to recap, first came the prohibition, then came the prophecy of a messianic blessing. The book of Isaiah is a book of hope and promise for all of those previously seen as outcasts, those who were previously othered by society and culture and, most importantly, by the religious authorities of the temple in Jerusalem. These people were captives, they were poor, they were sick, lame, they were disabled, homeless, hungry, widows, women in general, eunuchs, and other marginalized people. 
The messianic blessing envisions a time yet to come when all of those on the outside looking in, all of those who seek to find and worship and serve and love God are finally fully free to participate in all aspects of God's family. What comes next is the fulfillment of the prophecy which we are blessed to know through this morning's reading. It's a liberating message of the gospel for all people, no matter our social status, our wealth, our ethnicity, our sexual orientation, our gender identity, our race, or any other aspect of our personhood. The story of the Ethiopian eunuch learning that he too is included in God's family just as he is, nothing about him needs to change, is for him and us and everyone everywhere liberating. For no one is ever to be kept outside looking in and uninvited into God's household, into God's fellowship. Once he was excluded, now he is included. Once he was scorned, now he is a baptized child of God. My sisters and brother, in this man's life, there were gatekeepers preventing him from acceptance and therefore from the worship of God. In our own world, there are gatekeepers who consider people different from them as other, and in so doing, they prevent them from coming inside it and enjoying a life fully accepted as children of God and as members of God's household just as they are. We've all seen it in our own lifetime. We've even seen it recently. We've been witnesses of people held at bay from the full inclusion in the family of God. The right question that is asked at the very center of this literary narrative is the one that the Ethiopian eunuch asked immediately after hearing the gospel message of Jesus' inclusive saving grace. Is there anything to prevent me from being baptized. Granted, there could have been many barriers that Philip could have fallen back on. He lived in Ethiopia, far away from Jerusalem. He was a eunuch and thus in violation of the ancient purity code. He was loyal to the wrong sovereign and the wrong nation. And most importantly, he possessed the wrong sexuality. But Philip didn't rely on what might have been his own prejudices to inform his answer. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was leading and guiding him. God was chasing after this particular man because of all the people on earth that he represented. He resides on the outer boundary of the possibility of Jewish existence. And there at that border, God will bring the difference near, very near to the hearth of home in the spirit. And it's the very spirit who gave Philip the very right answer to his question. And so as the Holy Spirit of God spoke through the now prophet Philip, he answered, no, Absolutely nothing. And both of their lives were forever changed. Do you feel the goosebumps now? We never know 
what the Holy Spirit intends to do in and through us. We cannot even know if we will see the fruit of the Holy Spirit's work in our own lifetime, but we know that the Holy Spirit speaks through us so that others will know that they too are welcomed and included in the household of God. Lest we forget, Scripture reminds us, hear these passages. Now go, and I will help you as you speak, and I will teach you what to say. For at that time, the Holy Spirit will teach you what you should say. Do not worry about what you should say, but say whatever is given to you by the Holy Spirit in that moment. Philip had not planned to venture out onto that wilderness road along the Mediterranean coast from Jerusalem towards Gaza and surely had not planned to encounter a pond alongside the desert road. But the Spirit called and Philip went. He did just as the Spirit commanded him, teaching that the prophecies in Isaiah have been revealed and fulfilled in Jesus He shares the gospel message, and then a pond of water appears, and the rest, as they say, is a beautiful history. As this man who identified strongly with the humiliated, suffering servant that he just read about from the scroll of Isaiah, this man who represents all who have been left out, all the outcasts on the outside looking in, simply because they're different in some way from what is deemed normal to society and culture and even the church. This man who'd been turned away from worshiping God his whole life has been baptized and welcomed into the family of God. Honestly, he is like us. Once we were excluded, now we are included, to paraphrase 1 Peter 2.10, which says, once you were not a people, now you are a people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. But mostly, he is like all of those the gatekeepers keep out even though we know better. Lest we forget again, let us listen to Scripture passages that remind us that all people are beloved children of God, made in God's holy image exactly as they are and invited into God's family. For all who were led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. The mystery is that Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for glory, whom I formed and made, is mine. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. My sisters and brothers, as we prepare ourselves to come to the table of our Lord and Savior, let us each one prayerfully consider whether we've been serving as gatekeepers. Not for God, but who knows why. 
But maybe we've consciously or unconsciously been holding others at bay from the love of God and the love of the family of God. And if this is us, let us seek God's forgiveness and a new pathway forward towards reconciliation with those we've considered as other. And in this way, may we seek to be reconciled to God. And if you are someone who has felt left out, know that you are invited to come first. You know, meeting people right where they are, listening to understand their backstories is vital to becoming empathetic and caring of all people, no matter and especially if at first glance they seem different from us in some way. We, like Isaiah, Jesus, Philip, and the eunuch, are affirmed in the call to share the good news of the God of Israel revealed in Jesus without partiality or prejudice. First, there was a prohibition. Then, there was a prophecy of a new way. Then, the fulfillment of the prophecy right before our eyes as these words on the page blossomed into full technicolor for us to see and know God's great, big, inclusive love. The Ethiopian eunuch asked, Is there anything to prevent me from being baptized? The right answer is always, no, absolutely nothing. May we be those who invite everyone from God's household, those who share God's inclusive love with everyone we meet in every community of faith, including our own, and on every road we travel, just like Philip. May it be so. May it be so. And to God be all glory, honor, and praise. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, in this moment, may we absorb your words to us. And through them, almighty God, may we all be transformed. Through Christ we pray. Amen. I'm going to switch hats, put on my mental health professional hat as marriage and family therapist, but what I want to share with you in this moment is that May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And while being in touch with our own mental health as well as the mental health of others is always important, we've all recognized the importance of it, especially in the last 14 months. For no one will deny the impact the global pandemic has had on all of our lives. So to know about mental health, we need to know just a little bit about mental illness. It covers a wide gamut of maladies that are brain disorders, depression, overwhelming sadness that does not go away, anxiety when worries and fears affect our ability to function day to day, compulsive behaviors when our anxieties manifest in behaviors that we feel as though we must 
repeat over and over again in order to function. Bipolar. When mood swings, very high highs and very low lows are pervasive and persistent. Psychosis. When we feel as though our brain is playing tricks on us, seeing and hearing and believing things that don't seem right or real. Eating disorders. When our physical health and overall well-being is affected by what we eat or don't eat. Post-traumatic stress. When we are continually bothered by previous traumatic event. Addiction. When alcohol or controlled substance use takes over our lives. These brain disorders can make life very difficult and in the midst of crisis, uncertainty, and disorder in our lives, such as living through this pandemic, mental illness struggles are exasperated. So how can we help ourselves and others? We can normalize the struggles of mental illness by educating ourselves, becoming empathetic, certainly hearing the stories of other people. We can be compassionate, we can ask for help, and we can offer to be help to others. Here at GPC, we are connected to several organizations that offer help with mental illness for individuals, couples, and families. NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, provides support groups and free classes to family members who have loved ones that are dealing with brain disorders every day. During the pandemic, NAMI is meeting virtually the first and third Tuesdays. If you would like to know more, please let me know. All are welcome. Samaritan Counseling has its offices here at GPC, and their professional counselors offer counseling for those experiencing grief and loss, marital stress, individual concerns, psychological assessments. GPC has a wonderful grief support ministry led by our own Stephanie Wall, who is a certified grief counselor. If you'd like to know more about any of these, you can let me know, and I'll be happy to lead you in that direction. Also, there's an AA group that meets here every day at 1 o'clock. Again, I can let you know about all of those. And our newest ministry is Circles of Care Ministry. This is Blossom Forth in the midst of the pandemic, but, but it's so vital now as we have many, many people in this congregation reaching out to many, many more people, probably about 30 reaching out to over 150. If you know people that could, could benefit from a phone call, a checking in, let me know that. And if you would like to be a part of this vital ministry, let me know that as well. Other ways to feel less alone and better connected that we are offering are daily devotions that are on our Facebook page every morning at 10, and of course, worshiping with us in person and online. And there are online um, Sunday school classes, um, and there are in-person Sunday school classes as well, as well as fellowship groups. All of these are ways to be connected and to help your own mental health as well as offering all of this to someone else. Be gentle with yourself. Know that your feelings are not um, anything but normal. They are normal. Serve God by serving others. Unplug daily, at least for 60 minutes. And go outside, get fresh air. You know all of these things, but we need to be reminded, and we need to remind others. 
Spend time in prayer and with your Bible study. Connect with family and friends. Check on those you love and those that live around you and keep a rhythm to your life. There are more ideas um, on May as Mental Health Awareness Day month um, in our May newsletter. And if I can help you in any way, please let me know. Now I'm going to shift hats one more time, and I'm going to share with you that all that we have and all that we are are gifts to us from Almighty God. So I invite you, if you're worshiping with us online, to go to the giving tab, and there you can find all kinds of ways to support the work of God's church here at GPC. And if you're worshiping with us in person, can't help but notice the offering plates here as you leave worship this morning. Thank you. Friends, Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. Listen, I am standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with you, and you with me. We believe that the Lord's Supper, the community of believers, is renewed, renewed by the memory of Christ's life, death, and resurrection, by his real presence in the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ makes himself known to us in the breaking of bread. Christ offers us his body broken for our sake and his blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. We accept his promises and gifts and depend on his life to sustain us. In turn, we offer ourselves in thanksgiving to the risen Lord who has conquered death. So I invite you to gather your elements, bread and wine or juice or crackers and grapes, gather for this sacrament of Holy Communion. If these elements aren't available to you this morning, I invite you to simply listen and receive the blessings that are offered to you in this moment. Let us come together as one body of Christ. Let us pray. 
O oh God, today you have called us together to be the church. Unite us now at your table. Make us one in Christ Jesus. Let your spirit empower the life we share and ignite our witness in the world. With all who have gone before us, keep us faithful to the gospel teachings and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Merciful God, we praise you that you give strength for every weakness, forgiveness for our failures, and new beginnings in Christ. God of compassion, we pray for the church in the world, especially this family of faith. We ask your blessings on our fellowship and mission, particularly those enjoying time at Nakomi. Return them safely home today. We hold up before you the victims of tragedy and disaster, especially those around the world impacted by senseless violence and trauma. We continue to pray for those suffering from the pandemic, the surging spread of the disease in India and Brazil and parts of our own country and throughout the world as we reach a new global peak. We pray for those who weep with grief, and we pray for continued strength for all caretakers. We pray for reconciliation in the world. Help us to continue to pursue justice and righteousness where there is conflict. We pray for those who are poor or vulnerable, for the outcast, the abused or neglected, the imprisoned, the alone, the sick or the suffering. We pray for the renewal of those who despair. Bring your comfort and peace. For all these, Lord, we ask your blessings of wisdom and strength, of perseverance and resilience, of healing and hope to be with each one. May they know your presence. Through Christ, all glory and honor are yours, almighty God, with the Holy Spirit in the Holy Church, now and forever. And now let us listen to the prayer Jesus taught the disciples as we hear the words from the Lord's Prayer.
My friends, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he shared a meal with his disciples. During the meal, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks to God for the bread, and then he broke it open, saying, This is my body given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant, sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. For every time that we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim our Lord and Savior saving death until he comes again. Friends, these are the gifts of God and they are for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us partake of Holy Communion together. Body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Merciful God, we give thanks that you have invited us to this table. We give thanks that you have received us as members of the body of Christ and have affirmed us as a community of faith. Lead us to live as faithful and dedicated disciples in service to all the world. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Friends, wherever you are, God has placed you there 
and intends to do something in and through you. So listen closely to how the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you and give you the words to say so that you are one that can share God's great, big, inclusive love. And as you go forth into the world, may the love of God and the peace of Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit of God abide with each and every one of you, binding you to one another and to Almighty God now and forevermore. And let God's people say, Amen. Go now in peace. Thank you.